Hello, everyone, and welcome to Full Time, where we take you around the world of soccer locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. Full Time is presented by The Game Sports Show and powered by The Game Entertainment and Media. You are listening to Season 3, Episode 13 of Full Time. I am your host, Daniel Scarpino, and with me is our co-host, Gatano Gallo. Before we begin today's show, Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. With their two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, you can download and access the Pizza Portal app so you can enjoy a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. We remind our listeners that recordings of Full Time occur weekly or bi-weekly and uploads to all of our platforms for public viewing and listening occur weekly or bi-weekly as well. Folks, a very happy summer to you all as we are here together on this mid-July edition of Full Time. Gatano, it's the off-season of soccer, and I put that in big quotation marks, of course, because as we know, there truly is never an off-season in the beautiful game. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great, Scarps. How are you? I'm doing really well, G. I'm enjoying my summer holiday and uh, some of the beautiful weather that we've been having without a doubt, so all is going well in, uh, in my neck of the woods. In today's show, we will look at the summer transfer market, the CONCACAF Gold Cup, the Women's World Cup, the MLS, and local soccer. As always, if anyone would like to listen to our previous content, please check us out at Full Time on the Game Sports Show. And without further ado, Gaetano, and to everyone who has taken the time to tune in here today, let's kick off. We begin today's show by delving into what has been referred to on your end, Gaetano, as silly season. <laughs> Gaetano, it is that uh, very much so the summer transfer window. So much has already been done and we aren't even close to finished yet. Gee, just your uh, initial thoughts on the window so far and what, we, uh, and what we've seen before we get into things here. Uh, it's been hectic, as, as we expected. Uh, lots of big moves already, lots of big moves still to come. Uh, yeah, it's been a uh, silly season, I think, has been pretty appropriate so far. Uh, appropriate indeed, and like I said, there's definitely more to come, so uh, the silliness will, I'm sure, continue. We are now going to take a dive into some of the biggest moves that have been made uh, during this summer's transfer window so far. All of the information attained is from Football 365. Be sure to check them out for up-to-date articles of all the latest dealings in the summer transfer window. First, it's Declan Rice, who goes from West Ham to Arsenal. $100 million plus $5 million in add-ons is the fee. It has taken longer than most fans would have liked, but midfielder Declan Rice has officially completed his move to Arsenal. Gee, I am elated about this one personally. The transfer is done and over the line. What are your thoughts here? I think this is a really, really good signing. Um, it's a little questionable spending a hundred plus million on on a defensive midfielder but I think he completely changes Arsenal he takes him to another level and yeah I think uh it's a really good signing for Arsenal and a really bad signing for the rest of the Premier League uh, it's it's definitely one step forward if not two steps forward for sure Jude Bellingham goes from Borussia Dortmund to Real Madrid for 88 million plus 25.6 million in add-ons Gaetano will this be the biggest deal of the summer um Maybe. I think there's still rumors about Mbappe leaving PSG, and obviously if he leaves, that's going to be maybe one of the biggest uh, transfers of all time. But uh, unless that happens, this value move is definitely going to be the biggest one, for sure. Yeah, it's certainly made news and, and headlines everywhere. And uh, like you said, if, if not for Mbappe, this could be one of the biggest, if not the biggest one. More business by Arsenal. It's Kai Havertz, who goes from Chelsea to Arsenal for $65 million. 
Yet another player to switch from Chelsea for Arsenal, joining ex-teammate Jorginho six months after he moved to the Emirates. Your thoughts on this move, G? Uh, it's, a, it's a weird one. I, I kind of like it, though. Uh, I definitely think he needed a fresh start. He was so, so good in Germany for Leverkusen, and he's never seemed to click at Chelsea. So uh, I'm glad that he's getting a second shot at the Premier League here. Yeah, and uh, it just comes down to what position he will play, but I'm sure that he will fit in at Arsenal very well. I also like the signing. Dominic Subaslai goes from Leipzig to Liverpool for $60 million. Newcastle had a good look at Subaslai's uh, Leipzig release clause uh, nearing its expiration, but Liverpool signed the attacking midfielder within a few days of their firm interest being reported. Gaetano, Liverpool get a midfielder in. What do you think? Another transfer I really like. Uh, I've always wanted to see him in the Premier League. He's always been so, so good for Leipzig. Uh, slightly disappointed City didn't go for him a couple years ago. So, yeah, to see him uh, in the Premier League now, unfortunately for Liverpool, uh, I think it's going to be, uh, he's going to be a hit. I think so, too. I think he'll make a huge impact in the midfield, and I think he will uh, bode very well for Liverpool. Mason Mount goes from Chelsea to Manchester United for $55 million plus $5 million in add-ons. It seems like a lot for a player with just a year remaining on his contract, but for that money, Manchester United are getting a Champions League winner who is still only 24 years of age. The add-ons are said to be very much in the United's favour and are trophy-dependent. Gatano, I am a big admirer of Mason Mount's game and his style of play, but will it suit United? Yeah, I think this is a massive win for United and a massive loss for Chelsea uh, to have to sell to a Premier League rival, basically their best midfielder, if not their best player. And like, like 55, 60 million, not a lot, let's be real, considering Rice went for 100. Like, so yeah, I think this is a, a massive steal for United, uh, unfortunately, and maybe he won't hit the ground running this season. I feel, still think they're probably a year away from being like actually good but a massive addition for them. I agree in terms of the fee that you had mentioned for that type of player, not so bad. And he got the number seven shirt, which I found to be quite interesting because I thought it may have gone to Garnacho there. But uh, yeah, I think he'll be a hit in, in time at United for sure. Sandro Tonali goes from AC Milan to Newcastle. He goes for 52 million plus 8 million in add-ons. There is some dispute over how much Milan will receive for the Italy midfielder, but the general consensus seems to be that Newcastle will cough up around $52 million up front with another $8 million in add-ons uh, to follow, um, potentially. Regardless, it was an offer that uh, Milan and Tonali felt unable to turn down with the 23-year-old signing up for five years at St. James's Park. Gatano, Newcastle acquire a well-regarded striker. What can you say for this one? Yeah, he's uh, he's not the flashiest, so I, I feel like the the fee might get a little uh, like might be a talking point for a bit. Because like I said, he's not flashy. He's not uh, he doesn't have the best like assists and goals numbers, but the defensive work that he does uh, in that midfield is massive, and I think that's a huge signing for them. I think so too. Christopher Nkuku goes from RB Leipzig to Chelsea for fifty two million. Finally, Chelsea have confirmed what we already knew: French forward Nkuku has signed a six-year deal with Sanford Bridge uh, Club after a 16-goal season that made him the joint top Bundesliga scorer. Gee, is this a good move for Chelsea? Uh, I don't know. I, it depends the, the system that Pochettino is going to play. Because mm -hmm. um, in Kunku, he's not exactly like a, a striker striker. He's more of like a, a false nine center forward-ish, uh, like a second striker almost. So uh, depending on how the, they're going to set him up, I think this could either be a phenomenal signing or just another one of Chelsea's long list of terrible uh, striker signings. So really could go either way here. Hopefully it doesn't go bad for him, though. 
Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with you for sure. It's either going to hit or it'll be a bit of a flop. But I I do believe in Pochettino, really good coach. So I think that he'll definitely pick a system that suits him well. Manuel Ugarte goes from Sporting to Paris Saint Germain for fifty one point two million. Ugarte was wanted by Chelsea, who are reluctant to pay his release clause, opening the door for the French champions. Did PSG get a good one here, Gaetano? I mean, like I said with Tanelli, he's not going to be flashy. He's not going to be, you know, putting up goals and assists. But uh, PSG kind of lacked uh, some steel in their midfield for a long time. Yes. And that is exactly what they are getting here. I think for the fee that they paid, they're getting probably one of the best young defensive midfielders in the world. I think it's a phenomenal signing. Yeah, and, and you look at all the successful teams down the year that have won major trophies, you need that bit of metal in the midfield, that bit of grit, uh, you know, that, that sort of grind-type player that's going to be able to stick in and, and, you know, win balls in front of the back four and these sorts of things, and he can certainly do that. Ruben Neves goes from Wolves to Al-Hilal for $47 million. One that probably no one saw coming, Ruben Neves is off to Saudi Arabia. Gaetano, what can you make of this one, not just from a business perspective, but from a footballing perspective? This is, this is a weird one. Um, so my first instinct is I'm a little disappointed that he didn't, uh, you know, go to a big European club. Still only 26. He's been linked with Barcelona in the past. Like, so it is a little disappointing to see him uh, move to Saudi Arabia. But at the same time, for, for the amount of money he's being offered to, to play there, like, you can't say no to that. That is generational wealth. So, like, you, you can't fault him for accepting the offer. And I also still think at 26, he has that chance uh, to come back to Europe at some point in a couple of years. Uh, like a lot of players, uh, when they went to China in like the early yep. teens there, where they went, played for a couple of years and then came back, I think he still has that opportunity. So yeah, I think uh, for him, he'll probably be one of the best players in that league and still kind of open, him up, open himself up to that opportunity to come back to Europe and he's secured the bag. Can't uh, can't really go wrong there. They can't fault somebody for getting their money, but I... Uh... Uh, you know, there's lots of reports online, always going to regret it and these sorts of things. Like you said, though, he's still only mid-20s, so he's got that time to go there, do what he has to do, and possibly come back and, and play in Europe again. James Madison goes from Leicester City to Tottenham for $40 million. A good bit of business from Tottenham, this is. In fact, it is a decent deal all around as Madison's Leicester contract was set to expire next year. The Foxes can now reinvest the game promotion back to the Premier League at the first time of asking. Gee, a proven Premier League player is what Tottenham get. Your thoughts? I think this is one of the, the best value transfers uh, this summer so far. You know that you're going to get probably at least 10 to 15 Premier League goal involvements from him. He's done it with England. He's done it, obviously, at Leicester. I think this is just a, a home run. I think it's a huge home run. Unfortunately, it's uh, with Tottenham. But again, <laughs> I'm a huge uh, admirer of James Madison as well. I think... Uh, He'll be a great signing for Tottenham and uh, for that fee too. Fantastic. Pedro Porro goes from Sporting to Tottenham. So more business for Tottenham. This one for $39 million. The Portugal right back comes uh, becomes Tottenham's property, rather, having initially joined the club on loan on deadline day in January. He cost $5 million for half of a season, in which time he played for three different managers, which is uh, quite crazy to think about. And Spurs were obligated to pay another $39 million this summer. Poro is primarily a wing back, so it remains to be seen if he could play in a back four under uh, Tottenham's new manager. Gaetano, your uh, opinion for this one? Yeah, I think uh, it's going to be mostly about the setup. You know, if uh, Spurs manager wants to play in that back three or the back five that they've been playing with for the last few years, like, I think he'll be great. 
like you said, depends if, uh, if we can see him play in a back four, how that works out. Uh, but 40 mil, he's only 23. Uh, he's put it back to decent numbers across Portugal and England last year. Six goals, 14 assists in 43 appearances. So he's pretty uh, phenomenal from wing back. So uh, high hopes for this one. Mm -hmm, definitely. And uh, the adaptations from playing in a back five to a back four wing backs versus a, a standard flat back four, uh, they're subtle, but they do make all the difference. So time will tell to see if uh, he can adapt. Alexis McAllister goes from Brighton to Liverpool for 35 million plus 20 million in add-ons. Brighton and Liverpool kept the fee under their hats for some time, but the deal is good and well done. We have to assume that if McAllister is a success, then the Reds will be liable for around 55 million, which could still turn out to be a bargain, especially if he adapts to playing a deeper role. Gee, we saw just how good McAllister was this uh, past winter in the World Cup with uh, Argentina, and we saw his development at Brighton as well. Did Liverpool acquire a player that will benefit them this season and for seasons to come? Yeah, this is a huge signing for them. Only 24. Um, not going to say that Brighton's a direct rival to Liverpool, but their team pushing for Europe and to kind of uh, strengthen your strengthen yourself and weaken them at the same time. And like I said, for 35, 40, rising to even 55, still a great value deal. I think so too. And you, uh, you talk to most Liverpool fans and they'll say that they're very happy to have gotten them and you could totally understand why. Nicholas Jackson goes from Villarreal to Chelsea for 31.7 million. Jackson had a 30 million release, uh, 30 million uh, pound rather release clause in Villa in his Villarreal contract, with Chelsea unwilling to trigger that. Instead, they paid a little bit extra so that they could spread it out the payments. The 22-year-old striker scored 12 goals in 26 La Liga appearances last season. G, your thoughts on this signing for Chelsea? I think this is uh, maybe not a move for next year, but for the next couple of years, he's only 21. Uh, I don't expect him to be their their starting striker with Nkunku coming in. But uh, definitely not a bad backup option to have. And again, only 21. Can't really go wrong here. Exactly. And uh, if you want to develop underneath a manager, uh, Pochettino would be one of the ones that you'd want to do it under. So definitely for seasons to come, certainly. Joao Pedro goes from Watford to Brighton for $30 million. Brighton didn't wait for the end of the season to get Pedro signed or for the, or for the McAllister money to clear in their account before uh, announcing a club record deal three weeks before the end of the season. The Seagulls welcomed a brilliant young talent, as they quoted it, and many Watford fans concur. Brighton, uh, Gaetano seemingly doing good business uh, this window so far. What are you saying about this one? Yeah, this is another great piece of business for them. Uh, we've seen them, they're almost like the, this is going to be mean to say, like a better version of Southampton yeah. uh, in terms of, you know, finding these young talents, bringing them in, and then selling them on for a massive fee. Uh, you know, I assume it's only be a couple of years before João Pedro is going for 50, 60 million easily. I think it's just a phenomenal piece of uh, business by Brighton. I think it's also phenomenal too. And uh, speaking of Southampton reports this morning that Jay Adams might be on his way out. So uh, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there for sure. Giacomo Raspadori goes from Sosulo to Napoli for 25.8 million. The Italy forward has already won a Scudetto with Napoli, having spent last season on loan. City at champions are obligated to cough up 30 million to keep Raspadori having paid 5 million to borrow the 23 year old for a year. Gee, the floor is yours. Yeah, I think this is a really good signing. Uh, Napoli's going to be competing uh, on all fronts next year after winning the Scudetto. So I definitely think having some backup for Victor Osman uh, is needed and Raspadori is great. Uh, had six goals, five assists, and 35 appearances in all competitions last year. It's perfect off the bench, and he's only 23. Yep, and you need that that strength and depth if you want to continue to compete, don't you? So definitely a good bit of business there. 
Tarem Moffey goes from Lorient to Nice, 25.8 million. West Ham and Bournemouth both wanted Moffey back in January, but the Nigerian forward opted instead for Nice, who must pay 30 million, having bored him since last January. Lorient will also bank 15% of whatever fee uh, nice might receive for the 24-year-old who scored six goals in 16 appearances through the second half of the Ligue 1 season. Gatano, a decent move out there in Ligue 1. Are Nice bound to improve with this signing? Yeah, anytime you're adding a striker who scored uh, 21 and, 30 and 38 games last year uh, across all competitions, it's definitely an upgrade across the board. Uh, at only 24, you know, you've got him for at least a couple years before you can either sell him uh, for even more money or you have, uh, you know, one of the best strikers in the world in your squad. I think this is a great, great move. I think so, too. And when you're reading out stat lines uh, similar to that, it, it's hard to turn your head the other way. So definitely not too shabby in terms of the business side of things there. Felix Nemeka goes from Wolfsburg to Borussia Dortmund for $25.8 The German international who learned his trade at Manchester City, incidentally, has switched Bundesliga clubs, leaving his brother behind. Felix Nemeka is a fast, technically adept, and physically strong player who will enhance our midfield both offensively and defensively with his profile. He had a sterling education at Manchester City and played his way into the limelight at Wolfsburg last season, said BVB Sporting Director Sebastian Kell. Gaetano, some really positive words thrown out there uh, for this one. Your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I was a big fan of him and his brother when they were in the academy. Obviously, the, the path to the first team at City is you know, extremely difficult and not everyone yeah. makes it. But there was always something about uh, those brothers that was uh, kind of, they stood out from the crowd a bit. I think this is a phenomenal move uh, going to Dortmund where they're just, they just take everyone and take them to that next level. I think he's going to be a, a huge, huge player for them and he's going to be massive uh, in the next couple of seasons for sure. I agree with you for sure there. And uh, one of the themes, I guess, that I, I am starting to notice just during our discussion here, Gaetano, a lot of these signings we can say are, are actually quite positive. We don't really have too much bad to say maybe Ruben Neves would be the one where you thought, eh, I don't know about that one. But a lot of what's kind of happening here in our discussion is um, is, is a lot of good business, which we don't typically uh, get to say. So, um, yeah, the team's doing very well. And uh, another team that continues to do well, I hate to say it, is Tottenham because they sh they signed uh, Dijon Kulishevsky from Juventus back to Tottenham for $25.6 million. He joined on an 18-month loan deal in January of 2022 with the option to buy him for $29.2 million. But Spurs have landed him for a little bit less than that. Uh, the Spurs' new manager, Postacoglu's uh, first signing as Spurs manager, has seven goals and 16 assists and 57 appearances for the club. More business done for Tottenham. Gaetano, what can you say about this one? Yeah, this is just, we, we know how good uh, Kulisevsky has been for them for the last 18 months. This is just another home run, uh, just kind of being formalized, basically. Yeah, he's only 23, uh, was pretty uh, pretty prolific playing alongside Kane and Son on the right-hand side. I think this is just, uh, is just great. I think so, too. And uh, I guess time will tell, even with Spurs, because reports this morning that maybe Kane might be off to Germany. Uh, time will tell there. Do I think it's going to happen? No, but uh, I also agree that uh, if you're looking at Son, Kane, and uh, Kuliszewski uh, playing there again, I think that's a fantastic front three. Mateo Kovacic goes from Chelsea to Manchester City. $25 million plus $5 million in add-ons. Gaetano's got to be definitely happy about that one. Chelsea received a decent fee for a midfielder with just a year left on his contract. Manchester City get Kovacic for a relatively small fee, and Kovacic landed himself on his feet uh, by joining the best team in the world, Gaetano. 
how do you feel about this one personally? I think this is a great signing. Um, not the flashiest, but uh, with Ilkay Gundogan out the door now, uh, obviously it's not a, a like-for-like replacement, but bringing in someone with uh, Premier League, European, and international experience like Mateo Kovacic, you can't you can't ask for much more. And Pep always takes guys to that next level, and I'm uh, I'm really excited to see what level Kovacic can hit uh, under Pep. Yeah, I think the evolution of his game is just going to heighten. And I think, uh, for me anyways, I love Mateo Kovacic. I think he's a fantastic player internationally when he played at Chelsea too. But I think he's gonna, his game is going to take new heights underneath Peps uh, as well. And finally, we talk about uh, one that you just actually mentioned. That's Ilkay Gundogan, uh, who's going from Manchester City to Barcelona. It's a free transfer without a buyout clause. Um, or sorry, with a bio clause, rather, I should say. Uh, the Manchester City captain heads to Pastures New for the next two seasons at minimum. Catano, what he's done for Manchester City has been remarkable, to say the very least. Uh, just your thoughts on this one, as I know that uh, this one is kind of near and dear to you personally as a, a City fan. Yeah, this uh, this this one hurts. This, this one sucks. This is uh, a great transfer for Barcelona. Um, but yeah. Uh, last season, 51 appearances, 11 goals, 7 assists. Uh, in his city, city career, 304 appearances, 60 goals, 40 assists. Uh, for only 27 million euros uh, he was signed for, he was actually Pep's first signing. Yep. Um, and you look at the, the list of achievements, a Champions League, five Premier Leagues, two FA Cups, two Community Shields, four Carabao Cups, uh, and was the captain for last season. Yeah, we're going to miss him so, so, so much, uh, especially the back half of the season. Like we we talked about in uh, kind of April, uh, the Kyle Walker quote came out that in March he turns into Zinedine Zidane. Like, you know, in 2021, he had 13 goals from midfield in the Premier League alone, uh, winning back-to-back player of the month. And that's when he was playing as kind of almost a false nine uh, when Aguero and Jesus were both out, you know, fired us to the title then uh, in 21-22. Again, eight goals in the Premier League, two of them in the last and six minutes against Villa to win us the league in the final day. Just, you know, one of the best, best moments in the club's history. Uh, and then last year, uh, scored uh, braces against Leeds and Everton in our final five games to fire us to the Premier League. And just lastly, I just want to look at his, his last city appearances. So his last appearance at the Etihad lifts the Premier League title as captain. Uh, his last appearance in England for City uh, scores a brace in the FA Cup final against United. <sighs> and then uh, his last appearance for the club ever uh, captains us to our first Champions League, completes the treble. Uh, just a, a fairy tale ending for him. Uh, yeah, he's one of the best captains, one of the best players I've ever seen play for City. He's a, a top 10, probably top five midfielder in the Premier League's history. Yep. He's just phenomenal player, uh, and I'm absolutely heartbroken to see him go. Yeah, and and just as an outsider kind of looking in, I feel there's only a few players on the planet you could say this about. He's one of those players that's impossible to hate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, even if you don't like Manchester City at all, if you don't like their manager, their players, whatever, you cannot not like the guy. Uh, but yeah, like you said, fairy tale ending and uh, certainly a hero, if not a legend for City uh, forever. So, yeah, yeah that, that one's got to be tough. But I'm sure at Barcelona, he will be successful because uh, he's still got good years ahead of him for sure. And, gee, of course, we did not cover every single signing this transfer window so far because there's been so much. And, of course, as we know, there's much to come. But were there any transfers that we didn't discuss that have caught your attention? 
Uh, yeah, so Jurian Timber from Ajax uh, to your Arsenal, uh, 22 yes. years old, uh, center back, can also play on the right and also step into uh, midfield uh, on a 40 million euro fee. I don't hate that at all. It's uh, a definite upgrade from uh, it was like Tommy Asu and Ben White playing right back, uh, like that center back right back hybrid role. That's a massive upgrade there. And like I said, for 40 million, that's uh, not pennies, but it might as well be the way Arsenal have been spending this summer. <laughs> Definitely. I think uh, I was reading a report, most expensive starting uh, predicted starting 11 uh, to come in the Premier League this season. And there's also talk now with Timber coming into the squad that uh, Ben White is going to move into that sort of John Stones role that he had this season at, uh, at Manchester City. So we'll see what happens there, but definitely a good signing. The transfer news will continue to unfold as uh, clubs have until Friday, September 1st to make deals. As we know in the world of football, things can happen until the very last second. You can catch all of the latest transfer news here on Full Time. Heading over to the CONCACAF Gold Cup, it's Mexico and Panama who have reached the cup final, which is set to go this evening, Sunday, July 16th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Mexico found their way to the Gold Cup final after beating Costa Rica 2-0 in the quarterfinals and beating Jamaica 3-0 in the semifinals. Panama easily handled Qatar in their quarterfinal by a score of 4-0. Panama won their semifinal against the USA in penalties after their match ended 1-1. It was Panama who would win on penalties by a score of 5-4. Catana, before we preview this cup final, it would be uh, right, or it wouldn't be right, I should say, uh, if we didn't talk about two things. And, and first, of course, because full-time is based in Canada and we are Canadian, let's talk about the Canadians here for a minute. They finished the group stage with two draws and one win. They lost in penalties against the USA in the quarterfinal, unfortunately. Gee, I'll start by getting your opinion on this specific item here. In terms of a grade level, what, what would you grade or what grade would you give Canada in terms of their performance at this tournament? Uh, it's hard to say. It's, it was a disappointing tournament. Uh, you know, one win and two draws in the group stage is not great. And then obviously going out not just in the quarterfinals, but to the States in the quarterfinals, uh, you know, leaves a, a sour taste in the mouth for sure. Um, but on the other hand, this was, I don't want to say the B squad because there were a, a lot of the, the major players in there, but no Alfonso Davies is huge, obviously. And uh, we saw players like Dane Sinclair kind of, you know, take center stage. Uh, it's kind of time for that next generation to take the spotlight. So like, I'd say like a B minus C plus, you know, so there's some good, some bad, not great all around, but uh, hopefully uh, kind of the start of a learning curve here. Yeah, I think a learning curve is definitely a good way to put it. Um, and I, I'm just going to go just slightly harsher than you. I'm going to give it a C, uh, Gaetano, because you can't call it an F because they didn't fail. They, they reached a knockout round and technically speaking, they didn't lose a match in the 90 minutes on four different occasions. That said, in the group stage, they did concede four goals in three games. And in my view, they were a little bit underwhelming against uh, Guadalupe and, and uh, Guatemala, picking up draws there, which I believe that they should have won. Uh, and against Cuba, they didn't seem as though they were nearly at their best either. Uh, and the knockout game, as you said, leaves a sour taste in the mouth for sure against the States. Um, but that was probably their best performance. Um, and it still just wasn't quite good enough. So I give that perform uh, their overall performance a C, uh, not the worst as as you said, but certainly not the best. But a learning curve, I think that's really a, a good way to put it. And Gaetano, we have many many American friends on our show, 
So we'll chat here about the United States. They finished the group stage with two wins and a draw and were incredibly commanding, scoring a total of 13 goals in those three games. Both of their knockout games went to penalties before eventually being eliminated from the tournament. They beat Canada in the quarters, but lose to Panama in the semis. What can be said for the States in this tournament, G? Yeah, so kind of similar to Canada where they didn't bring the A squad, they didn't bring the the, the top, top players, but they still got some pretty good showings out of uh, some kind of young uh, and fringe players in their squad. Yep. So I definitely think, uh, you know, they'll, they'll definitely take a lot more positives from this than Canada, uh, for sure. They definitely played great. Obviously, going to semifinals, not, uh, you know, something to, to disregard. Uh, but obviously, they would have liked maybe just a touch more quality from... Uh, especially up top. Uh, they scored 13 in the group stage, but then, you know, only the two against, or sorry, the one against Canada and the one against Panama. You know, you want them scoring those big goals in the big games. So, yeah, I would say probably, again, like a B, B minus. Uh, they're obviously going to be disappointed to have not won the tournament, but, you know, that's how it is. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm also going uh, with, actually, your first score there. I'm going with a B for them. Uh, they were, I guess you could say, technically nearly there. But tur- tournament football is a really, really funny thing. Uh, sometimes you can just scrape by and continue to get through. And sometimes you flirt with a little bit of danger when you when you do that. Because like you said, if you're not going to score the big goals in the big games, you're flirting with danger. Um, and in this case, the States get knocked out on penalties. Um, but they did show themselves once again that they can be a prolific side uh, at this level. And if they get their, their top guys back, which of course they will do in, in due time, then they're going to be a prolific side once again at uh, even bigger tournaments. And GD CONCACAF Gold Cup final goes tonight. Who will win out of Mexico and Panama? Floor is yours. Uh, I'm going to take Mexico. I think they just have a little more quality around their squad. Um, I think they're going to on a, a little bit of a better run of form uh, heading in here. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go with Mexico. Yeah, I'm also going with Mexico. They seem to uh, be a good outfit this tournament. And like you said, just a little bit of qual- a little bit more quality around the squad, maybe a little bit more experience. So we're both going to take Mexico there. Once more, the CONCACAF Gold Cup final goes this evening between Mexico and Panama. And that's uh, this evening, Sunday, July 16th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on your local television sports network. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious, hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Keeping it international, it's the Women's World Cup, which is set to kick off this Thursday, July 20th. Gaetano, summer footy is nothing short of awesome. Definitely gives us something to watch. How much are you looking forward to this great tournament, sir? I am super excited for this. Uh, you know, any any World Cup men's or women's, I'm all in for. Uh, but especially this when Canada has a legitimate shot at winning it, uh, adds that little extra spice to it, and I'm really looking forward to it. Me too, man. And uh, again, tournament football is so much fun, whether men's, women's, at the World Cup level, outstanding. Really looking forward to it. Really excited. What we'll, uh, what we'll do here is we'll list out all of the teams competing at the tournament and we will give our top teams for who we believe will be in the mix of things to come uh, at the end of the tournament. The teams competing in the Women's World Cup are New Zealand, Norway, Philippines, Switzerland, Australia, Canada, Nigeria, Republic of Ireland, Costa Rica, Japan, Spain, Zambia, China, Denmark, England, Haiti, Netherlands, Portugal, United States, Vietnam, Brazil, France, Jamaica, Panama, Argentina, Italy, South Africa, Sweden, Colombia, Germany, South Korea, and Morocco. 
Gaetano, before we get into our picks, according to CBS Sports and Sportsline, the odds-on favorites to win the tournament is the United States. Behind them, only narrowly, is England. After that, we see the likes of Germany, Spain, and France being in the second tier of teams to challenge for top honors. In the third tier, it's Australia, Sweden, and the Netherlands. In the fourth tier, which shows sort of an outside chance of challenging for winning the tournament, is Canada, Brazil, and Japan. After that, it is more or less a lottery for who might uh, be able to play in the knockout rounds. Gee, these are the betting realities, but who do you think out of the teams in this tournament will be competing towards the end of the competition? I think, first of all, that's harsh on Canada. We've got a really good yeah. squad. I know we're missing Janine Becky uh, due to injury, but uh, yeah, fourth tier, that's that's a little harsh. Um, like So obviously the States, uh, you know, barring catastrophe, will be, you know, in and around the final. Um, again, England, Germany, obviously great shouts. Uh, I do think Jamaica, they're a little bit of a, a weird team. They're not uh, kind of a fully even uh, team across the board. But uh, Bunny Shaw up top for them is just prolific. Um, and I think if she gets enough good service, Jamaica might just outscore everyone. Uh, so I definitely don't hate their chances. Maybe not to win it, but uh, to kind of push maybe a quarterfinal, semifinal if they if they get lucky. And then, again, harsh on Brazil to not have them, uh, you know, kind of in that contender's bracket because they're just always up there. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was looking at the betting odds and it kind of it was doing my head in a little bit because who do you pick and, and, and who do you think is going to go in? Like you, you added the element of luck in there, you know, uh, could a, a team like Sweden uh, sneak through, could a team like Japan sneak through? You just never really know. But I also agree that the United States and England um, are going to be around those two more prolific teams in the tournament. I think the, that England has some, some key injuries though, unfortunately, so that could hurt them. Um, but I also like the likes of Australia, Germany to be in the mix of things. There's been some really good reports out on them. I guess if you wanted to call it that, that would be sort of my top four. But again, uh, the likes of Spain, France, Canada, I think that they can challenge. Um, I'd like to think that Canada would be in the mix of things, but who knows? Maybe it'll be Jamaica. Maybe it'll be Brazil. Maybe it'll be somebody else. Maybe uh, it's somebody that we haven't even discussed yet. But I think the parody that's in there uh, really is uh, awesome. And I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what's going to happen in this tournament. And Gaetano, if you just had to say right now, before the tournament begins, we have a few days before it kicks off, who will be crowned the winner uh, come the end of the tournament and, and ultimately who are you taking? This is going to be biased. I'm taking Canada. Um, you know, they've this group's shown that they can do it in knockout tournaments at the Olympics. Uh, and really, that's that's what this is. This is get out of your group and then you need to win four games. Uh, and this group can do it. They've... Uh, those battles in the Olympics, uh, you know, they were not easy games going to penalties uh, for three of the four. I think they have that mental strength. They know what they're doing. Uh, and yeah, I think Christine Sinclair is going to lift the World Cup for Canada and then retire. <laughs> <laughs> I know, actually, you know what, a, a coaching colleague of mine and I were talking about that the other day. He's like, you know what? She's still there, still cracking on. But wouldn't that, wouldn't that be just an unbelievable story? Eh? And uh, I'll also take Canada purely out of bias, but uh, the sort of... Uh, dark horse that I'll say that I think actually could do some some proper damage in this tournament and could be sort of that 1B, I think Germany. Uh, just seeing a lot of reports there that uh, that they've got a squad ready to go, ready to play. And uh, I think that they could do incredibly well at this tournament. Again, once more, the FIFA Women's World Cup commences on Thursday, July 20th on your local television sports network. Gatano, the MLS season continues to crack on as we are in the midst of summer. 
right now it's Cincinnati atop of the Eastern Conference, and uh, they are rather clear with an eight-point gap in the Western Conference. St. Louis is at the top with uh, three others just uh, chasing in behind them, so a much tighter race in the Western Conference. Uh, what can you make of those teams that are standing uh, tall at the top right now, Gaetano? Yeah, there's been some, uh, I don't want to say surprise in quality, because we've known the MLS has been getting uh, very good for years now. But there's some like legitimately very good teams uh, in MLS right now, uh, you know, and I think, uh, is it still, is it the CONCACAF Champions League still, have they changed it yet? Uh, I don't know if they've actually changed the name, but yeah, there would be that. Yeah, I can definitely see like a couple of these teams, uh, you know, competing and going very deep uh, in the Champions League next year. Yeah, there's some real, real quality here. Definitely. And uh, we would be, it would be remiss, uh, I would say, if we didn't talk about Toronto FC, although I uh, I don't really want to, unfortunately, but if you're going to highlight the good moments in, in, in the club's history, you're going to have to talk about the down ones. Uh, they are currently second from bottom in the Eastern Conference uh, with 24 games having been played. They've only won three games. You know, that is, that is correct. They've won three games. And Gaetano, I'll ask you this sometimes, um, not just in football, but in sport in general, uh, you go through these horrific seasons only to have glory waiting for you uh, shortly thereafter in seasons to come. Is this a case of Toronto FC being destined for something really good in the coming seasons? Or is, is this something that we're looking at thinking, oh, this could be a huge disaster? Um, unless they can kind of figure something out and start turning things around, they're just going to be run further into the ground. Uh, you know, like the, 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 the bad leading to the good, I feel like was kind of, when the club started to, you know, 2019, when they were horrific and then slowly kind of built themselves into competitors and then three MLS Cup finals in four years, winning one of them, winning a treble. And then it was like, we had like the blueprint, like, yeah, this is how we do this. And then uh, Bill Manning took over and it just kind of all fell apart. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the squad is just so, so imbalanced and uh, how it was built. Um, you know, we've seen our best young players leave the club uh, and succeed elsewhere while we bring in older players who are just significantly worse. Uh, you know, you have two designated players in Insignia and Bernardeschi who are great, uh, but, you know, one plays in left, one plays on the right, and we have nothing in the middle, whether it's a, a midfielder or a striker connecting the two of them. So they're just kind of both on their own little islands. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just bad. It's just all around bad. And if they don't turn it around and I'm not going to say what I want to say because this is a, a family-friendly show. But if they get their heads out from somewhere where they're not supposed to be, uh, you know, if they don't do that, like, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Yeah, I, I happen to agree. And unfortunately, I have to agree. But it, it is very much a case of, like, even before the season started, like a dummy, I'm saying, oh, they'll challenge for a playoff spot. I don't think they'll do super well, but they'll challenge for a playoff spot. They're going to just uh, hopefully not come bottom. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's 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 definitely a tough spot, but they've got to figure a lot of things out. They've got to get balance in the squad. And I think the point that you made, the spine of the team down the middle, I think that's going to be the biggest point to address because you can't you can have the likes of Bernadeschi, you can have the likes of Insigne playing in the wide areas, but you can't leave them on islands by themselves because they're only going to be able to produce moments of magic from time to time. You need core in your squad you need stability and uh i think hopefully with some of the changes that apparently are are incoming and are imminent i'm hopeful that uh things can turn around at toronto fc because it's it's certainly painful to watch we were uh, out last night and we were getting the updates on our phone and again it was just it was dreadful so uh another uh sort of miserable result but hopefully things can turn around there soon time and folks it is now time for a local soccer update men's and 
women's as well as youth soccer find themselves at the midway mark of their respective seasons now that uh, we are in mid-July. Gatano, you have uh, been playing this summer and uh, you know got to see you at the pitch the other day. How have you been enjoying the season from a playing perspective? Yeah, it's been it's been good so far. Uh, uh, not with uh, my normal team, which is a little disappointing, but uh, enjoying the new challenge, uh, playing with some new players, uh, some some very good players. Uh, I might add as well. So yeah, it's been uh, it's been a good summer so far. How about you? Uh, all has been well this summer for sure. Uh, I think the balance of games has been really good. We've been able to play in a couple of tournaments and these sorts of things. So really been enjoying the footy. And, and as I said at the beginning of the show, been enjoying the nice weather that we've been having. So it's been nice to get out to the pitch. Got another couple of games this week. So, yeah, I've been really enjoying the summer so far. And uh, Gaetano, it's at this point every year where, where for me personally, I kind of look at things and it humbles me a little bit because, uh, you know, I've had to look at the aspect of time lately for a variety of different reasons. And at the risk of sounding negative, once this time of year rolls around, technically speaking, we could say that half of our summer is gone. So we don't, sort don't, of see don't that. talk like that. <laughs> I know, I know it's, it's sort of, it's a negative way to frame it, but you know, you kind of see like in the distance, like the fall is kind of creeping around the corner and, you know, I'm like you in the sense that I've really been enjoying the summer season. Of course, I've been enjoying the footy, the nice weather, all of these sorts of things. Um, and I would like to say long may it continue, but as much uh, as, as there is left for summer, I hope that it does continue to, to go in the way that uh, it has gone because it has been a great deal of fun. Uh, everyone can catch a variety of soccer in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario from Sunday to Thursday evenings at Strathclair Park, Superior Heights Soccer Field and Tontipton Park. And in other local soccer news, this past weekend here in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, the first ever Copa de Giovanni soccer men's tournament was held at Strathclair Park. Divisions existed for men's in an open division as well as an over 35 division. The Copa di Giovanni used to strictly be a youth tournament in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario from many, many years ago. When the youth tournament was created several years ago, the now late Tony Celli hosted this tournament for youth soccer teams to travel up to the Sioux from across the province of Ontario and beyond. This year's tournament, being the first of its kind in the men's division, was done in honor of Tony Celli. The yearly youth tournament ended several, several years ago and had never since returned at the youth level or any level for that matter. That said, it was this year, 2023, that Sioux Soccer Executives decided to kickstart this tournament for men's divisions. Incidentally, the Sioux Soccer Executives intentionally aligned the first ever Copa di Giovanni men's soccer tournament with the Italian festival that took place at the Roberta Bondar Pavilion that exact same weekend. A humble brag that my team, Tazzy FC, did win the open division, and it was Sudbury who won the over 35 division. Both of the winning teams won a total of $3,000 in prize money. The runners-up, finishing in second place, collected a check worth $500. Men of the match awards were handed out after each game. Tournament MVP, top goal scorer, and best goalkeeper awards were handed out uh, in each division as well at the conclusion of the Cup Finals last Sunday. Children's activities were up and running at Strathclaire Park throughout the weekend, as well as a beer gardens for adults. Whilst the tournament doesn't have the intent to go back to the youth competitive stream as it once did under the late Tony Celli, the tournament will continue next year as it plans to attract more teams from across the province and hopefully even the United States in the men's division. Additionally, the tournament will be adding in a women's division next summer to accompany the men's division. Catano, having gotten to, uh, to play in this tournament myself, I have to say that it was unbelievably well organized. 
everything was uh, up to an incredibly high standard, whether it was uh, how the pitch was maintained. And we don't get to say that often in the two <laughs> because, you know, it, it's just the way that it is. But uh, the pitch was really good. The music being played uh, throughout the weekend, the atmosphere, the people from out of town, the scheduling just was, was top class. And it, it truly felt like a soccer festival. And that's exactly what it was. How great is it for our community here in the Sioux to host an event like this in this particular sport? Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I managed to go the uh, Saturday morning, catch a couple games, see a few people. And yeah, it was uh, not what I was expecting. Normally, uh, you know, sporting events like that organized in the Sioux usually uh, don't end up looking that nice, uh, you know. Uh, so it was, it was great to see. It was a really fun atmosphere. Uh, I would like to hopefully see maybe the youth tournament come back, uh, maybe not next year, but in a couple of years. Because if, if the men's tournament this year and if the women's uh, tournament next year kind of are anything to go by, then I definitely think uh, we should definitely be running this, uh, like the city should be running this uh, way, more, like make it bigger, give the kids the opportunity. And yeah, I think it was just uh, phenomenal. Yeah, definitely. There was a, a lot of positives to take from the weekend. I think the planning and prep and organization that went into it uh, really made that happen and sort of brought it to fruition because everyone you talked to at the pitch throughout the weekend said, oh, this is really, really nice. This is really well done. And uh, it truly was. An even better outcome, other than the footballing side of things, was on a donation front. Sault Ste. Marie Soup Kitchen was the charity that all donations would go to in this tournament. There was a $2,500, or there was $2,500 rather, raised for the Soup Kitchen at the conclusion of the tournament on Sunday, July 9th. Katana, how important is it uh, in, in this particular aspect of the sport? Because we oftentimes don't talk about it, but uh, this is something that's much bigger than ourselves and uh, and ultimately the soup kitchen was able to benefit from that. So your thoughts on, on this aspect of the tournament? Yeah, no, I think that's that's kind of the best part. You know, uh, you know, we got to enjoy a, a weekend of, of soccer and, you know, the celebration, you know, seeing friends, you know, kind of partying a little bit. And then uh, at the end of it, money gets donated to uh, an amazing cause. So I think that's just win-win all around. And, you know, if it was $2,500 uh, this year, hopefully next year we can get, you know, maybe to three or four and we'll keep it going from there. Definitely. And it's all about the progression. So for it to be the first year this tournament has run for the success that it has, uh, hopefully the trajectory is just continuing uh, to go upwards. And finally, Gaetano, it's people like the late Tony Celli who are pioneers, if you will, for soccer in our community. And I guess if you take a look uh, at any community globally, pretty much, um, we see that there had to be at least one person who sort of spearheaded sports and brought them to new heights. Uh, Mr. Chelly certainly did that in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, and his legacy is continuing to live on and will always live on for that matter. Obviously, with uh, any tournament, uh, you need the volunteers, you need the commitment, and, and you need the time. But we know that this sport is special beyond words, as we talk about on full-time all the time. Uh, Gatano, just how big can this tournament expand to in the coming years, in your opinion? I mean, hopefully, I would like to see teams, uh, you know, from southern Ontario, you know, get teams from Toronto and the GTA up here. You know, get a team from Michigan here. You know, let's you know, let's make it uh, make it a real big event, make it a huge uh, a huge tournament. Uh, we've seen the city host some uh, relatively big uh, hockey tournaments before. I definitely think it could get to that level easily. Definitely, and uh, as long as the commitment is there from everybody in the community and and uh, the soccer executives, etc., I think we can certainly get to that point without doubt. Uh, a job well done to everyone this past weekend who participated, helped run, and came out to the Copa di Giovanni soccer tournament. Hopefully, as we said, next year will be even bigger and even better.
This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you're listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Full Time. As we conclude today's show, we want to say humbly thank you for tuning in and being with us to talk about the beautiful game. It's your support, very much so, that keeps this show running year-round. Gee, a great time this morning, my friend. Thank you very much. Oh, no problem, Scarps. Uh, you know, Sunday morning, beautiful weather. Got to play soccer tonight. Perfect way to start the day. Totally, man. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. A reminder to our listeners that the next episode of Full Time will be recorded the week of August 7th, 2023. In that show, we will preview the upcoming season in Europe's Big Five. We'll analyze the transfer window. We will glance at the MLS, international football, and local soccer. As always, we will keep everyone up to speed with all of the happenings in the world of football. For weekly content, make sure to hit like, follow, and subscribe to all platforms, both the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Podbean. Be sure to check us out at our website at www.thegamesportshow.com. That's www.thegamesportshow.com. For Gatano Gallo, my name is Daniel Scarpino, and thank you for tuning in to Full Time. We look forward to seeing you at kickoff next time back here on the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media. Best always.